Life is full of what ifs. Some awesome, like what if AI could fold your laundry? And some, well, less awesome, like what if you have unexpected medical costs? United Healthcare can help get you covered with Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans. They supplement your primary plan to help you manage out of pocket costs. No deductibles, no enrollment periods, and especially no more what ifs. Visit uh1.com to find the Health Protector Guard plan for you. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Today's episode is brought to you by ETB Games. ETB Games is, of course, our locals in Alexandria, Louisiana. They are our one-stop shop for all of our card game needs. They have singles and sealed product for the games that you love, like Yu-Gi-Oh!, Magic the Gathering, and Pokemon. Of course, you can also find the accessories that you need, such as sleeves, binders, playmats, and more. And if you're into D&D, well, they have all of your D&D figurines, the paint for the figurines, dice, books, and anything that you would need to play. So be sure to check out ETB Games. There's a link in the description down below. And now, back to today's episode. Hello, everybody, and welcome into today's episode of the Top Cut Yu-Gi-Oh! podcast. I am Sunny. I'm here with my co-host, Caleb. Hello! And of course, we want to thank all of our wonderful sponsors for making today's episode happen. So, a huge thank you to, of course... Uh, oh, ooh. ETB. ETB Games, that one. Yep, yep, definitely them. I'm sorry. I'm, I've had an extremely long weekend, and I'm nah, nah, very it's, tired. Yeah, it's cool now. Nah. So uh, we just heard an ETB ad before the show. Yep. Uh, and then there's... Uh, Steel Fox Games. Steel Fox Games over in over in Treeport. Gem uh, Accessories. Gem Accessories. Uh, Dragon Shield. Yes. And Millennium Threads. Yes. And TCG Player. So... Be sure to check out all of the links down below. Some of them, like, for example, Gem Accessories have and Millennium Threads have a link with a discount code to get 10% off either your first purchase or any purchase. And then some of them, such as Dragon Shield or TCG Player, are that's an affiliate link. Yeah, so you Click just... it before you shop, and it helps out the show. Yep. And, of course, we're going to thank all of our patrons at the end of the episode. But if you are interested in becoming a patron, uh, it is as cheap as $1 a month to get your name read out on the podcast. It is as cheap as $5 a month to get an extra episode every week. Mm-hmm. Those are not really Yu-Gi-Oh! focused episodes. Yeah, we yeah. talk about Pokemon. I think this coming episode is Kingdom Hearts, things like yep. that. So we, so. I think we talked about One Piece for an episode. There's an episode we talked about furniture for 30 minutes. We did talk about furniture for quite a while. That <laughs> I don't know how that happened. But, yes. So... 
if you're interested in that, please check that out. And the last thing is the number one way that you can support the podcast, it costs you nothing, is to go ahead and subscribe to us here on YouTube. So, or, well, if you're on Spotify or iTunes, follow us there, but also YouTube because, you know, YouTube is something else that we also do. So, all right, well, let's go ahead and get on into today's main topic. So, it has been a little over one year now since a couple of things happened. First off, we had the announcement of the alternative formats for Yu-Gi-Oh! So these formats consisted of Time Wizard format, Rivalry of Warlords, Deckmaster, Heart of the Underdog, and Common Charity. And of course, right after we got this announcement for all these alternative formats, we got something even more exciting, Master Duel. Mm-hmm. So Master Duel also released just a little over a year ago at this point. So now what we're going to do is we're going to talk about each of the formats individually, kind of the impact that they've each had on how we think about Yu-Gi-Oh! and mm-hmm. what we do. But before we do that, I want everyone, and I mean everyone listening to this podcast to go into our discord server or into the comments of youtube down below and go wish caleb a happy birthday (laughs) yeah as of today's recording this is his birthday Mm -hmm. so he is officially really old now yep what are you 30 yep really old so let's go ahead and get on into today's episode and talk about what do you, what do you, what format do you want to start with? Uh, I'll start anywhere. It doesn't bother me. Let's go in alphabetical order. Alphabetical order. Okay, yeah. so we're gonna start with common charity. Yep. So common charity, the essentially the basic rules is it's an alternative format for local tournaments offered by OTS stores that is designed to encourage duelists to flex their deck building skills in a fun and creative way. The format is primarily intended to be fun and casual rather than competitive, allowing duelists different ways to enjoy participating in the tournaments. Common Charity requires all duelists to build a deck using only common rarity cards. Even if a card has been printed in other rarities, only the common rarity versions of the card may be used in a Common Charity deck. As with all local tournaments, each OTS determines the tournament entry and prizing, so please check your OTS for these details, yada yada. So, essentially the entire purpose of this is to print or to make decks using only cards that are printed in common. Mm-hmm. Now, I have heard of some some places saying as long as it was printed in the common rarity, that's fine. Yeah, uh, but I think that'll change from OTS to, to OTS. But officially, if Konami was to run a, a, this event at a YCS, everything would have to be the common printing. Or, technically, officially, if it is running at OTS... Mm-hmm. The cards have to be the common version. Yeah, well, that's what I meant. It has to be, though. Like, uh... Like, like OTSs don't get to choose. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Like, if it was, uh... Like, Black Lost Lost Soldier Envoy of the End. Envoy of the Beginning, I mean. You have to run the one from Structure Deck, Shadal Showdown. Right. Because it's the only common printing of the card. Dark Realm Dragon might be the same way. Yeah, yeah, yeah. From the, uh, Chaos Dragon Structure Deck. The one with, like, Pulsar and Dark Flare. Oh, did... Was was Dark Realm Dragon a common there? Yeah. I knew it was a common in the Shadal Strowdown structure deck, which is why I said that. I don't think he was in that. No, it was. I don't remember him being in that deck. It was. To be fair, 
I probably took it out immediately. Yeah. Because. At this day and age, who runs Dark Realm Dragon? Yeah. So, I I think that Common Charity is a cool format in concept. But I think in actual practice, it is kind of a difficult format to play. Oh, yeah, because... So, like, even if you try to play into an archetype deck, you're going to be missing some major key pieces because some of those key pieces were never printed in common. For most archetypes. Yeah. The biggest issue for Common Charity is that <laughs> there are a handful of cards that were only printed in Portuguese OTS packs in Brazil and as Portugal. And that's the only way to get it as a common. Right. Like what, in Zector Hornet? There's quite a handful of cards. Yeah. Because for some reason, Portuguese just didn't get card releases for a while. So they get like an extra like 15 or 20 commons in their yeah. OTS packs. Yeah, kind of help them catch back up. Yeah. Right. So Portuguese so, commons are actually like fairly expensive for some cards. Because if you, in order, that's the only way you can play that card in common charity. Right. Like at that point, then, that, then, then Kanan would have to then like ban those cards. You just can't use them. Or then they'd have to but like. But they haven't. Yeah, well, I don't think Konami's even actually run, like, Konami themselves, I mean, at, like, a YCS have actually run those. They haven't run it at a YCS level, but it has been run at... Various OTSs. And it's got a very, very uh, bustling Discord server. Okay. So there, there's a common charity Discord server that runs regular common charity tournaments, and they opt they it's a pretty interesting format yeah yeah. it's to the point where i know some people that are in that discord server mm -hmm. and they complain heavily they were they were very upset i'm not gonna say they were complaining but they were pretty upset at the concept of um what was it evenly matched potentially being a common out of the upcoming structure deck oh because there's not really like a good answer for it in common charity Fair enough. Your only answer that I can think of off the top of my head is the common solemn judgments. Right. And then you have to run solemn judgment. Right. Like what like what even decks are even viable in common charity at this point? I know B Trooper, because everything I reprint is a common in the uh ten. I don't know. Yeah. Well, I imagine B Trooper is viable because like I said, everything should reprint is a common. At least like maybe pure B not pure B Trooper, because you can still run some of the extra stuff. I think I legitimately don't know. Yeah. That'd be how it'd be. Um, Oh, Sioux ships. Sioux ships might actually be viable because they're common. That is actually true. Yeah, yes. There are some Sioux ship cars that are rare, but those are reprinted as a common in the 10. So you can get those as common. Also, I think Gunkin Sioux ship Shari, the vanilla was also reprinted as a super, which is really nice looking. Yeah, I think that there is like a meta for common charity. We just don't know it off the top of our heads. Yeah, there, there's like a specific. There, I don't know. There's specific things that people want to do. Yeah, but like also the fact that this, uh, the fact that this rule set exists, we can only use common cards, also gives Konami an incentive. It both incentivizes and de-incentivizes them to reprint something as a common mm -hmm. that if it doesn't have a common printing because then they have because then they'll introduce that into the common charity format overall i think that this is a format that was 
embraced fairly well by the community and i i think it's a cool format i i'm down with common charity overall uh, yeah yeah so am i i imagine it's a considerably slower format because you can't run no it's really not it's uh-huh. not it's not that slow okay I, well i figured it'd be slower but they they still they still be moving okay fair enough yeah fair enough combo is combo man and it exists everywhere that's entirely fair so next we have Deckmaster. So Deckmaster is interesting. Yeah. So Deckmaster has a whole additional rule section on the Yu-Gi-Oh-Card.com website. So same thing. It's an alternative format for local tournaments and OTSs to you know flex your deck building skills. And it's primarily intended to be both fun and casual rather than competitive. So as this format is intended to be fun, OTSs are allowed to limit options duelists can select for their deckmaster in the interest of preventing powerful deckmasters from limiting the fun of the format. Which is very good. Yes, because when they first announced the rules for this, people immediately went, so I'm just going to run this deckmaster and just never lose. Right. Literally unbeatable. Yes. As with all local tournaments, each OTS decides all the entries and prizing and stuff like that. So, here are some special rules that apply to Deckmaster tournaments. The Deckmaster can be any monster card from the main or extra deck. The Deckmaster begins each game outside of the deck. However, the Deckmaster is not considered to be on the field. The Deckmaster can be special summoned to the field during the main phase, during any main phase, by the turn player whenever there is an open game state. The special summon does not use the chain. So it's an inherent special summon. Yep. Once a deckmaster has been special summoned to the field, it, <clears throat> if it leaves the field for any reason, that duelist loses the game. And ex- as an exception to this is when the deckmaster is tributed for a tribute summon or uses material for a fusion synchro exes or link summon, the newly summoned monster becomes the deckmaster. I did not know that. Uh, yeah, I think that's something they added in later because pe- that was probably one of the most common. Because that was, I remember that being a major question I got asked: is what happens if it's used to as, as material? Yeah. Yeah. Um, if the opponent tributes a deckmaster, a duelist deckmaster, or uses that as material, the duelist loses the game. Still though. So, like, if you mind calling it and then tribute it right. for highest, they lose on. Or if you use it for underworld goddess. Yeah. That's broken. If a deckmaster has a card effect that applies while the monster is face up on the field, that card effect applies as if the deckmaster is face up on the field. For example, Jinzo was long face up on the field, trap cards are negated. Correct. Or Naturia Exterio? It has like a continuous effect. Yeah. Another one was, uh, what was it? Lost planet from a lost warrior from another planet? Right. Yeah. Neither player can summon monsters. Yeah. The main deck and extra deck must still be legal after the deckmaster is chosen. This means if the deckmaster is chosen from the main deck, the main deck still must have at least 40 cards after the deckmaster has been removed, of course. So you have to run a 41 card deck, basically. More or less. The deckmaster does not count as part of the deck for deck building. This means a duelist would not be allowed to build a deck with four copies of a monster card with the intention of using the fourth copy as the deckmaster. So if you're doing Jinzo, just as an example, right, and you have one of your uh, deck master, you can only have two other Jinzos in your deck. Yes, the m- main and extra deck must be legal before the deck master is chosen. So 
Yeah. Okay, so to be honest, Deckmaster format is um there's a word, it starts with S and it ends with show. Yeah, it's like the biggest issue is the fact that if the Deckmaster is removed, you just automatically lose. I think they should have done more of a I don't think that's the biggest issue. Well, it is one of them. Another yeah, it, it's a huge issue, yeah. Yeah. Um because then it makes removal just broken. Infinitely more powerful. Uh, at that point, you what would I, never here's what I want to know. Commit your deck master to the board. Never. Here's what I want to know. Hmm? What if you solemn judgment the summon of the deck master? I don't because the, it never mm-hmm. technically hit the field. Ah. I th- but it's still removed from the field, so I think... But it wasn't on the field to be removed from it. There's also the possibility that you can't Solemn Judgment it. Oh, There's God. There's also that possibility. You see, this is part of the issue with Deckmaster format to me, is that the rule set is so... Vague. Vague and unintuitive that it's just impossible. But the biggest issue to me is that I really think... There needs to be a suggested list of deck masters. Yeah, or like a list of we suggest you you ban these deck masters at bare minimum. I think the best way to do it would be to curate a list of say yeah twenty cards and say these are your deck masters. These would make good deck masters. You know what I would do? What? One deck master for each of the anime uh, anime main characters. And then, like, one deck master from each archetype that wasn't part of anime uh, deck. That's just too many, though. That's You're talking about, like, a hundred. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But that's still better than you can only have these 20 and then they're all vanillas. It's like... Well, I guess, yeah. It's definitely something that would have to take a lot of work. A great deck master. Blackwing Armor Master. Yeah, yeah. That's actually that's actually fairly solid. Um, it's protected from remove. It's protected from being just ran over. Right. Um, it's strong on the field, but it doesn't have a broken continuous effect. It doesn't have a continuous effect at all. I don't think. Exactly. Well, actually, another one. Virtual World Shen Shen. Yeah, yeah. That's strong. Mo- strong continuous effect on the field. Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's a what is it? Macrocosmos. More or less. I think it's actually. But it's only for cards sent from, from the, the field. Yeah, something like that. Yeah, it's really yeah. specific. Yeah, it's it's very specific. Yeah, so it, it's a worse macrocosmo. I'm like that. That's something like that. That's fine. Yeah, I, I think that there are ways to do it. <clears throat> that's really interesting. I just thought up. I just thought up of a weird of a weird deck master question. Sure. Your deck master Stardust Dragon. You special. Your opponent activates Regeki. You chain. You activate the effect of Stardust Dragon, tributing it. You would just lose. Yeah, that's not a question. That's just a statement. You would just lose. And then if you summon Black Rose, activate sure. effect. You, you just lose. Yeah. I think that in an instance where the Deckmaster has to tribute itself for its own cost. Well, Black Rose Dragon doesn't tribute itself. It just destroys itself. And then that's it. But with Stardust, I think... Should should that ever come up, they should allow Stardust Effect to activate to activate and resolve as normal because it still attempts to bring itself back. Right. But then I would say that if it doesn't get self get brought back for whatever reason, then yeah. you lose. Yeah. I I don't know, man. Yeah, it's it's weird. There's a lot of this this format need, needs a lot more tweaking. 
Yeah, and I think that that's kind of the biggest issue with the format is that it, everything is just so vague and undefined. And there's just so many, okay, what about this situation? Mm-hmm. And the Konami response is, eh. Okay, it is up to the OTS's decision. Uh, yeah. It's definitely something that you're going to need a really good, like... Involved OTS that really cares to set up. With a judge who really knows what they're doing. Yes. And they can <sighs> curate themselves. Overall, though, I really think that it could be a really fun format. Yes. Should, but, again, it needs a lot of work. All right. Next, we have a Heart of the Underdog. So, this is another casual, fun format. It requires all duelists to build a deck using a deck type that is not prominent in the current metagame. The final determination of whether deck type is allowed is at the discretion of the OTS. So, make sure to reach out to the OTS before you start building. So... I think that this format is really essentially just when you see those guys on Dueling Book that are like, no synchro, no XCs, no pendulum, I, no link. It is kind of like that, but I think it's more of a, okay, so whatever decks were in the top 32 of so-and-so tournament, those, de those archetypes are banned. I sure. think is more like what you're supposed to look at. So in this case, right? Yeah, I agree. They would ban like Tierlament, uh, Sprite, and Fluanderies, and Flu, and technically Sword Soul. Technically Sword Soul at that point, which just means that Despia is the best deck. But here's my thing: I think if you do it, you have to curate it a little bit more than that. Oh, absolutely, because yeah. So like, let's take the let's just take the issues not the issues the Tierlament example. Sure. Do you just ban cards that say Tierlament on it, or do you ban any sub archetype within that deck? Because decks aren't just singular archetypes anymore; they're multiple engines that are running together. Right. So do you ban the Tierlaments? Do you ban the sprite? Do you ban sprite just because some some decks run sprite? What about like with sprites? Do you also ban the frogs? Do you ban um, the like the because there's been a couple of them that are also running tri brigades in there too? Do you ban those cards too just because I think you just hit the actual sprite cards? But regardless, just as an example, it's one of those things where it's going to be how fun that that kind of tournament's going to be it will be entirely dependent upon the OTS. Right. I think that the next format that we're going to talk about is. Honestly, a lot, a lot more interesting and fun of a format. Okay. So next we have Rivalry of Warlords. Oh, yeah. That, that's very, very cool format. So another casual one, but it's kind of set up in a tournament style. So, every duelist plays a deck from a pool of selected themes from recent booster sets. So, for sealed events, duelists are provided with a pre-built deck that matches one of the Rivalry of Warlords deck themes. This can be either randomly assigned or chosen by the duelist at the discretion of the OTS. OTS should give duelists at least 10 minutes before the start of the event to read the guide for their assigned deck and familiarize themselves with the cards. Duels should also quickly go through the deck to make sure all cards are present and in good condition. Any issues should be brought up with the OTS before the event so they can be corrected before play. For constructed events, duelists would build their own Rivalry of Warlords deck based on the deck themes found here. 
Modifications to the deck list are allowed. The final determination whether any and all modifications are acceptable for a rivalry of Warlords deck is up to the OTS. So basically your OTS can say, hey, we're having a rivalry of Warlords tournament. Here, here is the deck lists. Yes. And or then, they can say, here's the archetype. You go build your own deck list. Yeah. Based on such and such archetype. A great example. So an example uh, would be the Poker Knights. Yes. Uh, King's Knight, Jack's Knight, and Queen's Knight at YCS. The face card archetype. Yeah. At what was it? YCS. The one that we went. That we Charlotte. Yeah. YCS. Charlotte. Their Heart of the Heart of the Dog. Our Warlords was just a bunch of those. Yeah. So and, you would do an eight man pod and everybody would have that deck. Yeah. So then it came down to who can understand and utilize the cards better. I think it's a lot more of a skill intensive format because it's tier zero without being tier zero. Right, right. It's tier zero with bad decks. Yeah, it's tier zero with bad, yeah, with bad decks. But then, it, uh, but then you also don't get into situations to where whoever goes first wins because the decks aren't going to be that powerful. Yes. So there's a lot more back and forth and skill and, uh, and a lot more skill uh, in that, in my opinion, than as opposed to something like full on dragon roll format with full power dragon roller versus full power dragon ruler. Right. Where. There's not a lot of back and forth. Usually whoever won the die roll won the game. Yeah, it definitely is set up to be more of a back and forth. So the deck themes that you have here are the three musketeers of face cards. So Queen's Knight, King's Knight, Jack's Knight. With all the new support from King's Court, like Joker's Knight, Joker's Straight, Joker's Wild, etc. The amazement archetype with uh, the one with Arlequino. Yeah. Armed Thunder Dragon. So this is from Blazing Vortex, where you have yeah. Arm, yeah, Arm Thunder. Dual Avatar, which is an That's, interesting archetype. That is interesting. Exosister, the most competitive archetype of the ones that we've talked about so far. Yeah. Then we have a Libromancer, which is solid, but I, I would have to see how the deck is built. Live Twin. Leerlusk. Which I'm assuming probably does not have the Tribe Brigades. Yeah, I'm also assuming it doesn't have the Samorg Link. Yeah. Magiki, Magistus, Mutant, S-Force, Sulfacord, Starry Knight, Time Thief, and Toons. Interesting. And of course, they, they, they'll expand and of course they'll expand this list as you know we continue and get new archetypes. Right. But because but now one thing I found fascinating about this is the fact that Konami is the one who's already like This is the first one that we've talked about that's at YCS's. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Where they actually bother curating them at all. Yes. They're like, okay, here are the currently allowed archetypes, and then they've and then since they've announced this and they had the like originally I think it was just the face knight cards. That was the one that they started with, and yeah. that's the only one that I've seen at YCS events. Yeah, and then as they've gone on, they've expanded it out further and further. Right. Now, what I like about the YCS when you sign up, you literally show up, sign, you know, sign up, and once they've, you know, cleared you for entering and all that, um, I think you give them like your driver's license or something, and then they give you a deck. Yeah, I don't know exactly. Yeah. What the deal is there? Yeah, I don't know exactly how it works. I, they, I've never actually done it. Yeah, but they give you a deck, and that right. is your deck, which. Which is also good for people who've never been to a tournament, because then they don't have to worry about having right. all these super expensive cars. They just pay to get in, and then they just pay 
20 bucks, I think, to enter that to enter that side event, and then just boom, here's your deck. Right. Have fun. Yeah. I I think that some of these archetypes stand out above others, right? Um, Exorcist is definitely the most interesting one, in my opinion, there. Most because it's also the most like competitively viable, but also I don't think it's the best one here, though. No, 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 no. I'm just I I I, I think it's the most interesting because whether because how good that deck is is entirely dependent upon what the other decks are. Yeah, I think it's either Live Twin or Leerlusk would be my pick as the best ones. Yeah, but I think even something like Dual Avatar or Magicy could really have potential here because of the low power ceilings of everything else yeah but uh if everything's slower than uh well none of these decks are particularly fast lyrilisk can be yeah like outside yeah and some of the ritual ones like liberamancer magic key also can be yeah um but like like this is also a good opportunity for for amazement to actually possibly do something Yes. Because it's such a slow control deck that just keeps putting one body on board. The issue is that if you're playing Amazement, you're playing against seven other Amazements. Unless they're doing a, here's your, you, you know, you pick from, like, here's a box, pick your deck out of this box, and it's just a bunch of them. But that's not, but Rivalry of Warlords, they all have to be the same. Yeah, and at that point, you know, the mirror is awful again with that, with uh, Yeah, that would be amazement. terrible. Because then your trap cards are always getting both effects. Right. And the last addition to this is the Time Wizard format. The coolest one. I think it's the best one. So Time Wizard is something that we have talked about quite extensively on the podcast in the form of GOAT format and Edison format and things like that. So this is a bit different. So... Time Wizards require the OTS to select a period in time to host the event. The forbidden and limited list, available card pool, and game rules and mechanics are then made to match that selected period. And erratas. Yes. That is important. For example, the OTS selects April 20th, 2010 as the time period for their Time Wizard event. The latest release allowed would be Duelist Pack Kaiba, and the forbidden and limited list used would be the March 2010 forbidden and limited list the tournament would use card rules and game mechanics from april 2010 an example would be songan would go off its original effect not its new errated effect correct and also things like brain control mind control did it also get an errata i don't know but yeah brain control pre-errated but also if the event like if the date that they picked for the event like with that is before they errated out priority Priority also exists, yeah. Priority is a thing again. So the major formats that you have here are Goat Format Edison and Plant 2011, mm-hmm. all of which still have priority. Mm-hmm. Those, yeah, those are the three main ones. I think they also have some other options in there as well, but those yeah, are, there are some good options. Yeah, but Edison is obviously is like the best one. Goat being the second best. Uh, Plant Synchro, I think, is a really skill is more skill intensive than anything else. Potentially, it depends on how you play it. There, yeah. there are more than just the plant synchro deck to play. Yeah, yeah, but yeah. To me, it's the best, most interesting deck of the time. Mm-hmm. Oh, easily. So yeah, because like I remember during that time, I was on Junk Doppel, 
which was a really cool deck. I think I was still on Black Wings at that time. Yeah, 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 yeah. You were on like a heavily modified Blackwing list, right? Uh, but yeah, I was on Junk Doppel, and I was just about to switch to full-on Plant Synchro. Overall, I'm really, really glad that they put this in as something that they wanted to support, and I couldn't be happier to see these retro formats getting love from players, mm -hmm. especially players that really didn't play at that time. Like I didn't play competitive Yu-Gi-Oh and Goat format, but I. I don't mind go for my games, mm -hmm. but I played a lot of Yu-Gi-Oh in that 2010 to 2014 range. So seeing Edison format get love, seeing, mm -hmm. you know, Toronto 2011, seeing all of these different formats yeah. get people just really loving and in love with the format. It's just irreplaceable to me. Yeah, it's super cool. Um, as a matter of fact, we're going to a Edison tournament this weekend. Yes, this weekend yeah. at ETB Games. Yeah. Be sure to check that out. Yeah, you know, I'm running this super cool deck where I've actually utilized one of the cards in the deck in a deck in, like, 2013. Right. Uh, Flemvel Firedog. Yeah, I which is don't know what I'm playing yet. Which is a, you know, huge flash of the past for me because... I would say that this is the most common by a wide margin tournament. Uh, Time Wizard is something that you can all see at OTS stores, at YCSs, at regionals, even even some people's kitchen tables. Right. I mean, we were we were playing Time Wizard Edison format before we recorded this episode. Yeah. So. So I, I think Edison. I think well, Time Wizard format as a whole is very unexplored as far as all of the different formats that have a lot of potential to be really interesting and really fun. There, they did have this one issue with their first Time Wizard tournament. Yes. Where it was GOAT, but it was after Cyber Dragon and... No, it was before Cyber Dragon, but after Xarian Universe. No, it was after both. They didn't notice. They released it September right. 1st. And they said everything up to September 1st is legal. Yeah, which includes Cyber Dragon and Xarian Universe, which isn't... GOAT format. GOAT format. That's what? Reaper format? essentially yeah yeah because that's how powerful cyber dragon is there in the universe or is that they change the format well and also there was a september 1st ban list yeah so they operated off the old ban list and they basically made up something a time frame that didn't exist in Yu-Gi-Oh. Yeah. but yeah, it was, yeah, it was the okay. cards of september 1st before the september 1st ban list yeah so what actually happened is those cards released on like august 14th or something yeah but the way they old formats used to do it is cards were never legal until the first of the next month after they released so for oh, example for, completely forgot about that right so for cybernetic revolution it was released the, in august wasn't legal to play until september right so for example we just had the release of amazing defenders those cards under the old system would not be legal until February 1st. February 1st. Right. And Photon Hypernova, which comes out early February, wouldn't be legal until March 1st. Yeah. I'm fine with them not still having that rule. Yeah. But particularly, if, you know, you know, particularly because people are going to be excited and want to try these new cards. Mostly because this way the cards can get hit on the ban list sooner. That too. Yeah, so. But overall, I think this is the one that they've put the most time and effort into making a thing. 
And I think that, you know, it's probably the most liked format from the player base. If you go to a YCS and see that they have a GOAT format uh, Time Wizard event, they have, in fact, redid everything and fixed it. So it is actual GOAT format. Yes, yes. That was a one format, one event thing. Yep, because then, you know, they got told that's not right, and they went, oh, you're right. Crap. (laughs) So the next format to talk about, or the next thing to talk about, rather, is Master Duel. Ah, yes, good old Master Duel. So Master Duel released a little over a year ago at this point. And I'm kind of curious as to how you feel about Master Duel. Uh, when it first came out, it was great. It was fantastic. Well, because it, you know, because we were getting, because you could actually, you know, build a full deck, get a lot of really powerful staples real quick. Because you know they were handing out the gems like right, making it rain gems. It was, it was great. You know, I was able to build, uh. M- full power for the ban- for the uh basically the OCG balance at the time um Zodiac right which was super cool uh and then a month later you know er- you know everything started drying up real bad people you know people were having issues getting the cards they needed because they weren't getting as many gems anymore cuz they had gone through all the free you know new account gems right 2 months later they hadn't re- They've uh, at that point the only updates they had done was like a tournament and and which was a bad tournament that was the Xyz tournament, right? Where it was just won by decks that had no extra deck. Yeah, yeah. Either, and then the next tournament it was just self TK. Yes, yeah, self. It was self OTK, self one turn kill. Where you would just kill yourself as quickly as possible. Yes. Because you still got rewards for losing. Yeah, and they weren't really that much better than winning, or that much worse than winning. Right. Because, like, let's say you won, you got 100, uh, 100 gems. If you lost, you got, like, 50. Right, which was insane. It's like, oh, cool, I'll just keep losing because that's faster. But you had, but you actually had to lose by having a lot of points at zero is the thing. Yeah, so you just burn yourself to death. Yeah. Um, And, like, so at that point, they hadn't updated the card pool. There wasn't a ban list yet on it or anything. Mm-mm. Six months later. And, like, this point, we were already, like, we started out two sets ahead. Six months later... And this isn't even really getting into the ban list itself of the game. No best of three. Things yeah. like that. Um, and then, you know, six months later, they still hadn't added new cards. And we were already four sets ahead at that point. Right. And at that point, and the meta hadn't changed. It had barely changed at all. Yes. And then finally, they did a change. They made a ban list for Master Duel that separated it from OCG and TCG. Even more. Even more. And then finally, so they, it was already separate. Yeah, and then they gave the gave Master Duel Sword Soul the Sword Soul set. Yeah, so it was no bueno. What's interesting is Master Duel has gone through a lot of development in the last six months or so, to the point where they get a new ban list every like month to six weeks now. Yeah, yeah, yeah. which I think is really welcome for that format. Oh yeah, particularly because Master Duel is a is a much faster like what's what i'm looking for like where the meta it, the meta develops considerably faster it gets solved quicker because of it's so easy to go on and get quick games in yeah get games in get the cards you can just like if you like on a saturday you can sit there and just play all day right 
And, I think that the yeah. format isn't entirely broken yet, but it, it could be if good players were playing it, if that makes sense. Because right now, the vast majority of players that you have playing it are like hyper casual and not really competitive. Yeah, mo- most of the competitive players are like, that was fun for a little bit. I'm going to go back to my paper. Yeah, I think that there's other decks that aren't really getting explored because it's like, oh, well, I'll just play Sword Soul. Sword Soul is the best deck. Why is it the best deck? Because it wasn't the TCG? Yeah. Master Duel is a completely different format with a completely different ban list. Maxi is legal. Right. Like, it, it's just it's so, so different. Yeah, no, no. It, yeah, it's very much a case of there's, there's not enough people playing it. Yes. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. Ready to get 30, 30, ready get 30, ready get 20, 20, 20, ready get 20, 20, ready get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month. So give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. So overall, though, I think Master Rule was definitely a good thing. I hope that they add the best of three. I hope that they add That's the, the big thing is best of three. Yeah, I think best of three is the most important thing that the Master Duel that Master Duel needs to have to be, you know, enjoyed by a wider audience. base. Yeah, yeah. Well, wider audience. So best of three and I would personally like the ability to switch between different formats. Oh, yeah, no, no. Be able to, like, click on a button and boom, you're in Go format. Click another button, boom, Edison. Click a third button, boom, uh, Plant Synchro or... Even if I just... Even if I could just play TCG and OCG. Yeah, yeah, even just switch between TCG and OCG. I would do MD, TCG, OCG. Right. It's three buttons, and then, like, whenever you click on one of them, it's then, like, let's say you click TCG, then goes uh, Standard, Edison, blah, 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 and you click that, and then it, like, automatically limits the card pool... Boom, bada bing, bada boom. The only other change from what you're saying right there that I would implement is you have to have, be able to craft banned cards. Yes. And the rarities on those needs to be lowered significantly. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Like, like for instance, in, if you're doing a GOAT format, you need copies of Graceful Charity, Pot of Greed, and Delinquent Duo. Which are all banned. Which are all banned, so you can't craft them in Master Duel. Yep. And, yeah, so it's... And then even if you could, they'd probably make it, like, a secret or something. Yeah, oh, yeah, well, ultra, but yes. Yeah. So. They'd make it super high rarity, super expensive to craft. Yeah. Overall, I give Master Duel, like, a, you know, a very passing grade. Yeah. I, I like the solo modes and getting the story behind all these different archetypes. That is cool. That yeah. that, that I, I do really like that. Yeah. Uh, I, I give it, like, a C. Yeah, I give it a C or a B. Ne- needs work. Yeah. Okay, well, let's go ahead and do a few mailbag questions. What do you say? Oh, yeah. All right. Our first mailbag question comes from Trent. 
in the Discord server. Woo! What new mechanic would you like to see? Oh, we we did that one on the last episode. Yeah. I'm actually sorry. We did that on the last episode. Sorry, yeah, Trent. it's weird. Okay. What are some of the most important sideboard cards in the current meta? Which pop ones are falling out of favor? Didn't we do that one too? Uh, yes. I think we did that one too. Yeah, I don't know if we did or not. Uh, but if we didn't, I will just say triple tactics, talent evenly matched, things like that. Yeah, are the best. And I think like, I think the back row removals kind of fall into the wayside a little bit. The only, the only back row removal I would run is twin twisters for the bird deck for flu. Yeah. Well, lightning storms work too. Yeah, but, but less so. Because I don't know. I just like having twin twisters because they work past turn one. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You can also, like, chain them to the map and basically negate the map. Right. What master rule has been your favorite? I like the current one. Yeah. I, I wasn't upset with whatever we had when we had Pendulum. Or not Pendulum. Uh, Xyz. Oh, yeah. Xyz. But... Besides this, the current one, I'd say Xyz. Yeah. Now... That was my favorite, like, era. But I, we, you have to remember, we didn't play during Master Rule 3 or whatever it was. Yeah, when the Pendulum. We didn't play during the Pendulum Master Rule or... The first Link Master Rule. Yeah, we, played th we played through, like, the very tail end of that. No, we didn't. Well, no, 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 no. Because, like, like, I remember when we got... For, well, like, when March I of 2020 is when it changed. Yeah. We and... got back in in the summer. Yeah, and we I didn't the, play at all. I think it's because my the, I came back in with the shit all showdown shark chat, which came out in February oh, of 2020. Okay. Yeah, but you bought it in the summertime. Yeah, 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 which was bizarre because normally those sell out uh, by March. Nobody was playing because of COVID. Fair. Okay, Leela or Kissakill? Ooh, ooh. I don't know which is which. Uh. Lilla is the blue one. Kiss kills the red one. I thought it was the opposite. It might be. Let me double check real quick before I before I answer. I like the blue one more. She's <sighs> more like depressed and anxiety ridden, and that's my thing. <laughs> yes, Kiss Kill is the red one. Kiss Kill is red. Yeah, she yeah she's the red one. Life I like the blue one. Yeah, uh, I think I'm more. I think I'm actually more partial toward the red one personally. I think I can see that a little more open bombastic can you name a few of your favorite edison format decks well i'm really having a blast with uh flamvel right now i'm, I'm also i also really like the dragon one just because it's cool yes i think that okay so <laughs> my favorite edison format deck to play that i think is the most fun is ancient gear machina that that is a cool one it's a fun deck, but it's not super duper competitive. It's not that good. The funnest thing that you can do with that deck is Magical Hats. Dude, it's so funny. Every time I resolve Magical Hats, I just laugh. And it, it it's a it's such a blowout when it like works correctly. So, for those of you who do not know, Magical Hats is an old, old Yu-Gi-Oh card. So what you do is uh, during the battle phase, right? Yes, at the yeah. during your opponent's battle phase. Yeah, so you select one of your monsters, and then you go and grab two spells or traps out of your deck. You set the monster, and then set the two spell spell traps and shuffle them. Shuffle them around. 
So. And then the spell traps count as monsters with zero attack, zero defense. Zero attack and defense. Yeah. Yeah. So if you, and you pick Gear Town. Yes. Which does. When Gear Town is destroyed, you special summon a you. When Gear Town is destroyed, you can when? special summon an ancient gear monster from your deck. So if your opponent runs over one of your gear towns, you just get a free ancient gear Galgatron dragon who's what, 3k? Yes. Yeah. And then if your opponent deems to not attack any of them, at the end of the battle phase, they get destroyed anyway. Yes. Which is amazing. So you get the two ancient gear Galgatron. So no matter what, if Magical Hat's resolved, you're getting two ancient gear Galgatron dragons. And it is always amazing. So... Better have Mirror Force. <laughs> yeah. That is... Doesn't matter. Ancient Gear Gadgetron Dragon is like all of the Ancient Gear monsters. You cannot respond until the end of the damage step with spell traps. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. But like... Mirror Force doesn't do it. Well, no, no. Well, no. Because usually people will attack with their weaker monster first, which isn't an Ancient Gear and doesn't have that effect. And then... Yeah, usually it's Machina Fortress or something. Yeah, and then boop, you flip the Mirror Force on that. Which yeah. I've gotten you with that twice. I don't remember it being twice. I think it's once, but I know I've gotten you with it at least once, minimum. Where you yeah. attack, with, we had the two ancient Galgatrons and the Machina Fortress wide open. You swung, and I went mirror force. Yeah. So I really enjoy that deck. I greatly it's enjoy it. Super cool. I also I enjoy zombies, but I think I want to rebuild that deck to the telekinetic powerwell version just for something different. Uh, fair. But my other favorite deck is actually X-Sabers. I couldn't tell you why. This this is before they were really good. I think it's because back when we were awful and played Kitchen Table, you played you, you played like a small X-Saber package. Just like a couple X-Saber cards? Yeah, so you can make... See, I don't even remember. I don't even remember this. Uh, so you can make Urabellum. You would always just sync around Urabellum and then equip it with I Sword of I think I just Sparkles. played Urabellum and Sword of Sparkles. Because I don't think that I played any other... X-Sabers. Uh, you played Emmer's Blade. Did I? You played one Emmer's Blade. I don't... Yeah, see, I don't even remember this. Because I think Urabellum requires... No, it doesn't. It's no, it generic. doesn't. Okay, no, I'm thinking Because it came in a starter deck. I'm thinking of Gotham's. Gotham's requires three monsters. Yeah, yeah. One thinking. of which has to be a tuner. Yeah. The other two can also be tuners. Yeah, I was thinking Gotham's is a weird one. Yeah. Gotham's is weird. Yeah. Yeah, okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, you'd make Urabellum and equip him with Sword of Sparkles. Yeah. Which was a silly card. What is the best archetype from the GX era? I think there's a correct answer to this, and I don't think it's close. Gladiator Beasts. <sighs> okay. Gladiator Beasts may have been the best archetype during the GX era of competitive Yu-Gi-Oh. Yeah, and now what the question was? It just says the best archetype from the GX era. Oh, then probably Hero. That was my first thought. I, th I thought Hero was an objectively correct answer. Yeah, but then it's like... But then you said Gladiator Beasts. I'm like, well, during that okay, time, okay, Gladiator okay. Beasts were the best. Okay, during the GX era, it was Glad Beasts. If we're including every single support card that's been printed for the different archetypes from the Sense. three archetypes that were in there, uh, which was Hero, Gladiator uh, Beast, Gladiator Beast, and Gravekeeper. Gravekeeper is actually DM era. 
Yes, but it got new support in the GX era. Sure. So technically, but it, technically, uh, but but the uh, well, you also have the Roid archetype. You have Neo Spatians. Oh, Cyber Dragon. You have Cyber Dragon but, archetype. Well, ancient Gears. Yeah, but like, like even if you, you have Light Sworn. Yeah, but like even if you go with Light Sworn is probably the third best. Yeah, but like even if you just go, it's like even if you're just talking about during the GX era, the best one was Gladiator Beast. Yes. If you go outside of just whatever it's it's still hero even with all these even including cyber dragon especially during the gx era cyber dragon the whole cyber dragon deck was just three copies of cyber dragon yes sure you could run like well and the what was it uh infinite uh what was that card the fusion contact fusion for what deck for cyber dragon the contact fusion yeah. cyber chimera tech fortress yeah, dragon and chimera tech fortress dragon yes Okay, so were you done with that? Yeah, that, that, okay. that was the end of my thought. Okay, if you were a Yu-Gi-Oh protagonist or antagonist, what would your deck archetype be? Hmm, I think I know mine, but I'm interested to know what yours is. If we're going with a pre-existing archetype that just wasn't in the anime, because there's a lot of those. I did not watch the anime enough to know what de- what archetypes were and were not in the anime. Okay. Outside of... I can actually list off all of the uh, anime archetypes that were actually good. Okay. We have Hero. Sure. Uh, Cyber Dragon. Cyber Dragon. Blue Eyes. Blue Eyes. Dark Magician. No, red, no, no, no. Not Dark Magician or Red Eyes. Dark Magician and Red Eyes are playable, but Kitchen Table pretty much. Or, not good. Yeah. Um, Blue Eyes won Worlds. Yeah, Blue Eyes won Worlds one year. ABC... Uh, that is technically an anime archetype because the original is the XYZ. The, yeah, it's VWX. Yeah, it's part of VWXYZ. Yes. Um, Ujamas. I wouldn't have called those good. <laughs> They're funny. Uh, but that doesn't make them good. Particularly with... Uh, Harpies were better than Ujamas. Yeah, Harpies was another one. Uh, Ishizu. Harp- Harpies, I think, got like top four at a YCS at one point. They did. Those. Uh, I think that was during the or top eight or something. I think that was the first wave of support where they got like yep. the rank four seeds. Harpy was Channeler yeah. and Harp and Dancer uh, when Lightning Chidori was out and stuff. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um. So Harpies, uh, Ishizu's, uh, Earth Fairies, sure. Gravekeeper. Uh. But like, if I'm if I'm an antagonist Pepe. or protagonist, I am literally just gonna play Gear Gear. Gear Gear, Gear Gear. Oh, so Yugi. Huh? So, oh, no, no, no. I was thinking of uh, the gadgets, which was a Yugi thing. Gadgets were a Yugi deck, yeah, yes. Yeah, because uh, yeah. I'm used to Gear Gear being played with the gadgets. Gear Gear was more played with Machinus than, or Karakuri than gadgets. But yeah, yes, yeah. I understand what you're saying. Yeah. Uh, it, it, For me, it'd be Madolche. Yeah, I mean, I just think you just have to pick your favorite archetype, right? Yeah, that isn't already part of the anime. I, I couldn't decide. I had trouble deciding between Machina and Girgia, but I just want Girgia because I love Girgia. Yeah. Um. Salamangrate. Yeah, yeah. It was another one from the anime that was really good. Yes. I think once you get to later Yu-Gi-Oh, they made an active effort to make some of the anime decks good. Like Trick Stars is Code an anime talkers. deck. Code Talkers, sure. I just think that the further along you go, the yeah, more they, they actually they tried. tried. Yeah. I mean, uh, I mean, Performer Pals became Pepe. 
Yes. Perform on Pal and Perform Age, yeah. yeah. All right, so let's go ahead and thank all of our wonderful, wonderful patrons. Woo. So, a huge thank you to Cam Yang, Dragon Maid, Stunzied, April Floodgate, Kane Martin, Zypheris, Yeet Defeat, Blackwing Silverwind, The Ascendant is the best Floodgate, Earth Machine, best deck, Epi, has anyone actually read Toy Vendor, HGH Cyber, I am McLincoln, Mom said I could be anything, so I became a mentally, financially, and emotionally unstable millennial. <laughs> Fair. I feel that. Mountain Man, Oatmeal Spaghetti, Owen Alvarado, Pingu is the best deck, Noot Noot. Noot Noot. Quitting the game is a floodgate, Sprite, Farter, Unbanned number 95, Konami, Understanding and Reading are two different things, Virtually Savior's World, Rogue, and Tier 2 are the polite terms for bad deck, AD, Aaron Gardner, Asami, Ashless Chaps, Boxwine, Bestial Pizza Hut, Duty Booty, Dragon Maidenless Behavior, For Hire, Dog Turd, Herios, Pebble Cereal, I'm about to take Rika Glamour, Tribute for Cost, these plant nuts in your mouth. Jesus. That's... That's a mouthful. That's a... Oh my goodness oh <laughs> got him <laughs> jerry beans man cam the disciple of caleb's waifu philosophy old man red pin code 143 ray powell rescue aces tier one watch me oh i'm watching and santa claus thank you all so much for your continued support of the podcast and of course be sure to check us out friday same time but until then, have a great week, everybody. Take care, everyone. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50 luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns.